You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn.
Good morning and welcome to Crime Talk BK. Uh, this is Joanna Perpich joined by my wonderful co-host Megan Duffy. Hi girl, I'm dying. Oh no Megan, what's wrong? I have a, this nasty cold and I didn't want to infect you or the studio. Oh, you've succumbed. <laughs> I can't. Everyone has but- it. The subways need to be quarantined for our own good. Mm, yeah, it's it's foul. Um, yeah, that sounds, I don't know. I had it last week. I fully sympathize. <laughs> so if I, if I sound like I'm dying, I'll put it on mute. If you lose me for a couple minutes, oh. <laughs> I start sneezing or coughing or. I'm sorry. Um, well, okay. it does we'll eventually it. turn into a sinus infection. I'm sorry. Oh, I have so much to look forward to. Uh, Today's cold is brought to you by Four Roses Whiskey. <laughs> Special friend of the show, Ashton Baker, is quite sick in bed right now. No, he's come too. It's just everywhere. Um, yeah, we've been like popping my lupus steroids <laughs> to get it under control. <laughs> Stop. Um. I'm going to do, like, a black market of, uh, like, heavy-duty cold medication. I'm going to send a messenger today. <laughs> well, I'm sorry that you're not feeling well. Um, but I have okay, we'll get through it. a very silly... Okay, so we're going to... I think that Crime Talk might actually be changing a little bit just because these potpourri episodes do so well. So I yeah. think that we might try to... Do more of those instead of having just one topic each week. Maybe we're going to flip it so that we can have more potpourri episodes and then we can do uh, special episodes on specific topics. That sounds great. I like it. Yeah, because I think that we have more fun when and it gives us more opportunity to to dig in a little bit more for like Mm -hmm. the news of the week. Sometimes the weeks are really busy with news. Yes. Um, um, what, what, just give us like a brief summary of all the wonderful murdery things you found. Okay. So I've got, uh, well, I've got a big Epstein update. I've got, uh, a couple of rapists on the loose in Brooklyn. There is a El Chapo adjacent update. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. El Chapo adjacent. And, um, what else do I have? Oh, the, there was a stabbing in Park Slope the day after our last show, right? Like two blocks from my sister's house that has a, it's a, it's a little lighthearted and it has a happy ending. Okay. Happy Um, ending stabbing. Lighthearted stabbing. A happy ending for the original victim of what was a intended robbery. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that's it. I think that's all I have. Sounds like a busy, uh, week in Brooklyn for, for crime. Yeah. There was so many, there were so many things to choose from this morning. Um, but there it is. I'm Epstein is, is what, you know, I'm obsessed with this whole thing. Yeah. Nightmare of a thing. Um, so I took a bit of a different angle, and I dug into some policy updates 
Yes, I want to hear. Yeah, and so we have uh, some <clears throat> good developments on the statute of limitations for rape survivors. Uh, so maybe we compare that with Epstein. And then I have kind of this interesting Castle Law case playing out in the Bronx. Hmm. Um, also, uh, the MTA. Yeah, and then let me see. So the MTA, snitches get stitches, according to this artist who is going around fixing some of the PSAs about fair evasion. <laughs> have you seen those? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I have a segment on that. And then finally, de Blasio, I'm sorry, it was not meant to be. He dropped out of the primary. Did you see? <laughs> yes. Did you see that some someone put a bottle of champagne in a sign out in front of City Hall <laughs> after he decided to quit the run? Oh God, it was so funny. I did not see that, but uh, the Facebook comments on these articles about De Blasio are hilarious. I mean, like, why? <laughs> stay in your lane, dude. Anyway, uh, he just. I mean, I got to hand it to him. He went for it. I I mean, it was just a blatant power grab. Yeah. Um, so all that is coming up uh, after our, uh, what is this, advertisement? Uh, so Radio Free Brooklyn is a nonprofit, which means that we love our sponsors. We do. And uh, one such sponsor is M.E. Bottle. And um, <laughs> I am trying to stick to the script this time because I don't actually know that much about Emmy Bottle yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bear with me. All right. After more than a year of dreaming, research, experimenting, late night conference calls, and early Saturday morning meetings, the Emmy team is happy and proud to present to you the Emmy Bottle. Watch the Emmy bottle. It is a double insulated, reusable stainless steel water bottle uh, that disinfects your water in a 60 second cycle utilizing UVC LED technology. It is 99.99. It is almost 100% effective because that's a hard number to say against E. coli, but don't sue them if it's not completely effective. It's only almost entirely ineffective. A single charge via micro USB lasts up to 30 days, and the bright LED display lets you know when the water is ready to drink. Join us in bringing clean water to all. Raise your bottle and drink to you and me, spelled M-E. Find out more at Mm. mebottle.com. That's very cool. (laughs) So that's going to be our new announcement for a while. Um, That actually does. I just bought... A new water bottle that I overpaid for, and now I'm just kind of like, man, this would be amazing for like hikers and stuff. I'd imagine. Yeah, or you know, you know those pe- those weird people that like to go camping in bizarre places, <laughs> or or maybe those it's that one thing that those people on Naked and Afraid can bring with them <laughs> to purify the water. I don't know. That show. I'm a little cold medicine delusional today. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, Naked and Afraid is one of my favorite reality TV shows because I'm always just deeply concerned for the contestants. I just want to know why you would do something like that. I want to watch their casting video. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Like, what did they say to these producers? I I don't. Do they have to do the casting video, Nick? I don't know. I don't know. It's strange. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly the ones that go into like those extreme environments. Like I saw one that was in like the some African desert. It's like there's no. <laughs> yeah, I've no. seen a few where they just drop you off in Alaska, and they're like, "McCandless died near here. Have fun." <laughs> Later days. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So new product. I don't know if it's pronounced me bottle or me bottle. The me is capitalized, hence some confusion. I might want to look that me. up. Me bottle. Me bottle. It's a little bit catchier than me trying to say the M-E-U-V-C L-E-D technology. I dig it, though. Good idea. Oh, Megan, you sound so sick. (laughs) I know. I'll be all right, girl. You'll go on without me. I'll be fine. The show must go on. The show must go on. All right. uh, Well, I guess we'll start with um, our Jeffrey Epstein slash... uh, Statute of limitations. Do you want me to go first or are you? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool. All right. So um, let me see. So this is really cool. New York State has extended the statute of limitations for rape survivors. And uh, Governor Cuomo signed a bill into law Wednesday morning uh, that pretty drastically extends uh let me see, the statute of limitations from five years to 20 and 10 years, depending. Oh, that's great. Yes. Uh, Because as we're learning from the Me Too movement, from uh, Harvey Harvey Weinstein, from, well, Jeffrey Epstein, from like all of these just horrible, evil men, is Mm -hmm. that, surprise, it takes... Survivors some time to pull themselves together to give uh, to go to the police, right? And uh, so uh, this is seen as a step towards more trauma informed policing. Um, let me see. Uh, so it only applies to victims of second and third degree rape because currently there is no statute of limitations for first degree rape. Um, but first degree rape is basically uh, kind of the dark alley type of rape where you're attacked, beaten up, kidnapped. Uh, these types of rapes, of- yeah, like, yeah, Stranger Danger, 1990, whatevers. Um, those are pretty uncommon. The much more common ones are like second, third degree. So this is really important. Um, so a second degree victim uh, by law is considered incapable of consent by reason of being mentally disabled or mentally inca- incapacitated uh, and or when the victim is under 15 and the attacker is over 18. Okay. Um, and then third degree is if you are just considered generally incapable of consent, if the victim is under 17 and the perpetrator is over 21. Uh, so basically, these are like the date rape situations, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm at a college <laughs> party and I drink too much, um, Brock Turner type. Oh, God, yes. Uh, yeah. And so these are much more common. 
And then, of course, uh, they like tacked on these uh, kind of like the Juliet Law age ones where um, statutory rape, I think, falls under these, you know, where if you're 30 and you're dating a 15 year old, I'm sorry, R. Kelly. Right. Um, yeah, so this is just really a step in the right direction because it is just a much more realistic view, you know, that if you got too drunk and you wake up naked and some guy has a video raping you, you can now go to the police uh, 10 years later after you've had your therapy and are ready to face this. Right. So um, I, this, I commend I commend New York for this. This is, I agree, this is a st- uh, much needed and long overdue step in the right direction. Yeah. And actually, during the press conference, they straight out say that this law came out of the Me Too movement and um, out of Time's Up. Uh, there's mm-hmm. uh, actually members of Time's Up uh, who are uh, anti-sexual violence group formed out of the Me Too movement. Uh, activists Jillian Moore, Mira Sovino, and Michelle Hurd actually spoke at the press conference next to Cuomo when this was announced. And so mm-hmm. for anyone on the internet who's like, oh, Me Too's just a hashtag, no, like these laws actually are being changed. Um, and then also Cuomo signed a similar bill in February called the Child Victims Act, which extends the statute of limitations for uh, child sex abuse survivors. And uh, in that case, it allowed uh, victims of these crimes to uh, file a civil lawsuit anytime before they reach 55. Mm-hmm. And any uh, victim who was sidelined because of previous statute of limitations running out now has a one-year window where they can um, submit their evidence and go to the police and the courts will listen. Okay. Uh, So it seems like this past year Cuomo has really made it a priority. And of course, when you hear about the Child Victims Act, the first thing that came to mind to me is um, the just really horrendous sex crimes committed by priests. Yes. So surprising how, I mean, Almost every diocese across the country has been touched by that. Yeah. And you just hear, uh, like, I was actually watching The Keepers the other day, uh, which is this really... Ooh, that's disturbing, isn't it? Yeah. I don't... Well, it's <clears throat> it's funny, because I watched it when it came out, but now I'm watching it as someone who works in film, mm-hmm. trying to see how... It's a really masterful handling of such a sensitive and heart-wrenching topic, and it's so beautiful. There's a there's a uh, accompanying podcast called Out of the Shadows that uh, Gemma from the Keepers does with this guy named Shane, and it's it it dives even deeper into what happened to Sister Kathy. It's yeah. fascinating. It's very good. But it's just kind of like one of the things that's so gutting is that these women and really anyone who's been abused by like a priest or a teacher authority figure has very little room to uh, get justice because so often these, these allegations don't come out until like years and years and years later. And so, right. 
And if they did come out earlier than that, they weren't believed. Yeah. Because because that authority figure has so much power in the community. Oh, 14-year-olds, so emotional. They make up rapes. Yep. <laughs> yes, that's you, so or, likely. Or the, the worst alternative is you made, you know, like you brought this on yourself. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I was on, like, uh, actually, I think I found this on Huffington Post. And I just think that, uh, you know, Cuomo, sometimes I really hate you, but at this moment, I'm really proud that you're our, you're my governor. At this moment, yes. But also, considering <laughs> the current state of national affairs, I'm quite fine. I'm quite fine with the governor of New York. Yeah. Um, it's also coming up on a year since, uh, who's that guy? Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed. Yes, that guy. Yeah. And, uh, I don't have this in front of me, so please look this up yourself to fact check. Uh, but a lot of reporters have been digging into that hearing and there's quite a bit of evidence that, um, the, investigation was not properly conducted, that there were many people who very early on were willing to um, corroborate, collaborate uh, the the story that yep. um, Brett Kavanaugh is a piece of shit. So, yeah, the LA Times is reporting that the FBI was informed of all the allegations um, that while Kavanaugh was drunk during his freshman year at Yale, he exposed himself to two heavily intoxicated female classmates on separate occasions. Bureau did not interview more than a dozen people who said that they could provide information about the incident. Yeah. So they just didn't bother to investigate. So when that whole thing about uh, Blasey Ford going on and get the FBI investigated a full investigation, that was actually not true. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I actually uh, was reading that some of these people who came forward, like they had talked about it with other people, not only right after it happened as part of college gossip, but even Mm -hmm. like years later, you know, it would sometimes just kind of come up. It's not like they were fishing for their memories when he uh, gave office. Look, I have very clear memories of a couple of dudes that I went to college with that acted like assholes most of the time. Mm-hmm. I have very clear memories of it. And that was 30 years ago. So when he's nominated for the highest bench in the land, I can imagine a number of these people that came forward had these memories flash in front of their face and decided to call the FBI and nothing happened. Yeah. And then um, I think this is probably a good moment, too, for you to bring up your, you said it was a Jeffrey Epstein update? Yes. Okay. So uh, first I'm going to say that uh, the estate has been opened in the Virgin Islands. And so uh, they put a, as they're supposed to do, they put a notice in the local paper saying um, victims of Jeffrey Epstein uh, have six months to file a claim against the estate, a civil claim against the estate, um, which that's not unusual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but there's a number of there's a couple of other things that aren't quite related 
to statute of limitations and they're a little more fucked up and a little darker. Uh, so the first one is the Miami Herald reports that um, victims report that Epstein paid doctors and psychiatrists and hairstylists and manicurists and dentists. Um, but the psychiatrists that he paid prescribed them with tranquilizers and antidepressants. Uh, yeah. One girl, Sarah Ransom, um, reports that she was taken to a psychiatrist during one of a, like a, she's like on the verge, as you could imagine, on the verge of a mental breakdown. And the doctors prescribed her lithium. Instead of getting mm-hmm. her help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, these people were totally on his payroll. Gynecologists, dentists to whiten, whiten their teeth. Just, just to whiten their teeth. It's, it's just, I mean, the, the idea that the, all of these professionals are, are on his payroll and no one blew the whistle. It's disgusting. It's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Like, so many people must have known. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is more than the number, than the huge number of people I thought I had known, like, before you telling me this. I mean, I, you know, like, this, I guess... One, it makes sense that he would do this to keep his shit under wraps, but it didn't. It didn't come up on my register because we're like I'm a normal human being, right? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's just like it made my skin crawl when I read it. It's just so like methodical, you know? Like mm-hmm. the idea is like, oh, okay, so I have to get this girl a therapist so that she feels like this is being taken care of, but it's not. Like, uh, just such a complete cover-up and it just I don't understand how you can be a doctor you know and allow that I mean there's a, a lot of doctors do a lot of crazy crap you know like they to lose their license we've heard horror stories about that but this this to me is beyond the pale yeah agreed so the next piece of Epstein update I have is related to Prince Andrew. Okay. Okay, so they'd been friends for like a decade, right? Mm-hmm. And they had a falling out in 2011 right after the New York Post published a picture of the two of them walking through Central Park called, of course, in true Post fashion, they call the picture Prince and the Perv. <laughs> <laughs> right so obviously in 2011 he's already a registered sex offender right mm-hmm. because of that lame ass deal that he got in Palm Beach so um, according to okay and I got most of this information from CNN so according to interviews with three people with direct knowledge of the event Epstein grew uh, irate after the after the picture was published, be, and because Sarah Ferguson, 
a month after the picture was published, admitted publicly that she had accepted 15,000 pounds from Epstein to help pay an employee whom she owed money, Hmm. which is very strange if she's the Duchess of York. But I don't know what her financial circumstances are. Why didn't she just ask Andrew for it? I don't know. So on the advice of her publicist, Mr. James Henderson, the Duchess gave an interview in the London's Evening Standard in which she expressed extreme contrition for her lack of judgment by accepting such funds from Jeffrey Epstein. So this clearly puts a divide between her and Epstein. You know, she's like, I don't, you know, of course I don't like pedophilia. Um, Adding that she had no knowledge of his alleged relationships with underage girls, uh, clearly relating to his Palm Beach conviction. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, whatever. Uh, So, according to James Henderson, Epstein's reaction to Ferguson's statement was swift and dramatic, quote-unquote. He, Jeffrey, placed a very unpleasant phone call threatening Henderson with a defamation lawsuit if the statement was not retracted. Um... And then the Duchess received a letter threatening legal action from one of his lawyers demanding a retraction. And the letter, that letter was sent not only to Ferguson's lawyer, but to uh, James Henderson was CC'd. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after that, Jeffrey Epstein retained the services of a Los Angeles publicity firm called Citric and Company. Um, Michael Citrick, who is the head and founder of the company, said um, he recommended that Mr. Epstein hire a new lawyer and, and file a U.K. defamation suit. Well, that didn't work. Um, <laughs> and uh, apparently there's a lot of other work done, but Citrick ended up suing Epstein for failing to pay for his bills. And the U.K. lawyer also stopped working for him. So, Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, Jeffrey, this, like, relationship is, like, very well established between Epstein and what's-his-face. Uh, Prince Andrew. Yeah. 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 I mean, so well established that Sarah Ferguson admitted to borrowing or 15,000 pounds from this man mm-hmm. to pay for an employee. I mean, that's, that is how he gets people to stay silent, is he does these favors for them, and then he holds these favors over them, right? It's a classic narcissistic manipulation yeah but like at what cost like uh oh okay cool so i was just watching a star trek episode because i'm really obsessed with it right now (laughs) and (laughs) there's this episode where basically Riker for like one hour becomes god Mm -hmm. and he starts just doing all these favors but like god favors for people so like jordy's the character who has that like i think because he's (laughs) blind and he makes him not blind etc Jordy? Yeah. Played by Will Wheaton. Yeah, he's so cool. He's cute. Yes, he is. Anyway, um, so, like, at the end of the episode, they do this whole, like, Star trek monologue about how this is wrong, and their whole point is, is that, like, at what cost, you know? And it's just kind of like, I understand the temptation of having a friend. I wish I had a friend with a ton of money who could tempt me in this way. <laughs> but, like, I, also, I, I mean, like... It's not 
worth it to cover something like this up? Like, how could it possibly be worth it? Well, I think that the, the whole idea is, is they don't know that they're making a deal with the devil until it's too late. Right? I just... Uh, I don't know. He's the devil. Jeffrey Epstein is the devil. He's the devil. He's the devil. But it's just inconceivable to me. You know, like, if I found out that someone was doing these things, no matter how hard it was for me to come forward, I would, you know? Like, I would. I would. And so there's I just, a lot of things I'll let slide. Like, oh, I didn't see you stealing that deodorant from CVS. That's, you know, whatever. They have cameras for that. That's not my problem. The, someone abusing someone else, I cannot let slide. A child. Mm-hmm. You know, like that for me is just kind of, I don't like, I don't care how much you pay me. It's blood money. Yep. So it's just very um, disheartening that you have these, like, you know, like the royal family is looked up to by a lot of people, um, not necessarily mm-hmm. in the United States, but they're a big deal, you know, and they're people expect certain behavior from them. And, it feels a little bit like a betrayal of the public trust. Yeah, I know. There's also a couple of really good new podcasts going on about Jeffrey Epstein, and they interview anonymously, of course. They interview like his old chauffeur and uh, a, a number of people that were in his, not his inner circle, but on the peripheral of his circle. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, What's it called? Yeah. Mm, uh, that's a good question. Hang on. I don't have my iTunes open. You can't just tempt me with something like this and then bow out. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting in front of my computer like a good girl. Devil in the darkness. Devil in the darkness? I'm going to write that mm-hmm. down. It's, it is, girl, it's, it just started and it's crazy. I wish I had better reception in the studio so I could just directly download it. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it goes into like these allegations of uh, arms deals and blackmail and money laundering. It's, it's, you know, the man didn't work and he wasn't investing money with anybody on wall street. Where the hell did this money come from? Yeah. That's infuriating. Ju- like I just juicy. don't even. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, so I think I'm going to talk about this kind of interesting castle law issue. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I think I'm crackling a little bit on my... Hmm. Am I coming through okay to you? You sound great. Okay, cool. Wonderful. Better than I do. (laughs) That crackling is my voice. Oh, Uh, they have those cough drops with the liquid goo in the middle that will numb your throat at Dwayne Reed. I think I'm just going to keep with the whiskey until I fall back to sleep. Well, to each her own. (laughs) I don't feel like leaving the house. Um, You need to train one of your cats to fetch medication for you. Oh, I could. Well, yeah. No, I did. I tried to do one of those... uh, like Instacart things, and they don't deliver out here yet. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's sad. <laughs> That's like when I moved from um, 
Ridgewood to Bushwick, my life changed because there's so many delivery services that won't deliver to Queens. Uh-huh. And I was on the, I was like texting this one guy and I'm like, if I stood on the other side of the street of Wyckoff, you would not deliver to me. And he's like, uh, that's in Queens. And I'm like, I can see you. <laughs> I know. Anyway. Um, I feel you. Someone else who got in trouble for being on the wrong side of a fence. Mm. Um, let me see. Uh, so, homeowner Troy George uh, in the Bronx is in hot water. He's actually in, um, his house is in Owenville. Mm-hmm. And uh, this attack happened between, on East 20, 223rd Street near Barnes Avenue. All right, so uh, Troy George is sitting in his lovely home uh, when he hears some sort of noise or his wife hears a noise coming from the backyard. They look out the window and they see this man whose name is Harold Bates. He's 30, he's 29. Mm-hmm. And Bates is just kind of lurking, I guess, like no good reason to be there. Um, so <coughs> George's wife uh, runs into the yard. She's like screaming, tells him to leave. And he uh, actually, like, gets up and goes. So, yeah, at this point, it looks like a possible burglary that has been averted because um, George's wife is able to just scare this guy out of her lawn. Um, However, Troy George is not quite satisfied with this. So, what does he do? He picks up a um, pipe, a metal pipe, that he pulled off the fencing. And he charges down the street catches Bates, and beats him to death. Mm, nice. Yeah. In the meantime, his wife is on the phone with 911, and at one point, she says like something like, oh, God, come quickly. He's going to kill him. This is problematic for the yeah. castle law. Yeah. Anyway, all right. And so I read this, and um, you can read more about it, too, at the New York Daily News. Um Troy George has been arrested for beating this guy to death, as he should be. Um, but it really brought up some questions to me about castle law, because I'm from Texas, which is like home of castle law. Yeah, right. And yeah, so I basically grew up like being told, like, don't go on other people's property because they're going to shoot you, which is a slightly scarring thing to tell a 10-year-old, but there you go. Oh, oh my god. Minneapolis was not that way. I it remember we we were on a Girl Scout camping, and uh, we were in, it was like the woods, uh, but if you go far enough through the campsite, it uh, backs up to private property. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. My friends and I were out, like, hiking, and our troop is kind of small. We were in high school, so we were, like, old enough to take care of ourselves. And we were, like, traipsing around for probably about a half hour. We hit that border. I mean, there's, like, some demarcations, like, warning, private property. And we're like, pshaw. And so we, we continue through the woods. And then we hear this crack. And we're like, okay, turning back, going back, going back. It was someone shooting his rifle into the air to scare us off. Uh, oh. Okay. This is why I never go into the woods. (laughs) (laughs) We were fine. I don't think he would have actually shot us. I think he just wanted us to leave him alone. I don't know, girl. I watched too many slasher films growing (laughs) up. Like, 
American Horror Stories 1984 has just landed, and it's about campers in the woods. Like, I can't. Don't go in the woods. Stay out of the woods. <laughs> I don't know. We were kind of blasé at the time. We are like, whoa, that rattlesnake almost killed us, but whatever to that guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I think that castle law is, like, this, like, weird cultural phenomenon and so it is kind of bizarre to see this Castle Law case happening in our backyard here in New York. And, um, okay. but this isn't really like, I don't think the Castle Law applies. He chased them, unless he owns the whole block, he chased them down the street. Well, no, it doesn't. Um, but I think that if he were to give a defense, he would probably, like, I think in his head, this is probably. He's like, oh, on my property, wife was threatened, like, blah, chased after. Um, but no, chased this after, is... capture, yes. Beat to death, <laughs> no. Exactly. Um, and so the New York State's Castle Law says that you have a duty to retreat from the attacker if you can safely do so. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, let me see, you can use... Uh, deadly force only if the instigator directly attacks you. Mm-hmm. So if they're in their house and they're like, hey, buddy, I'm going to steal this TV. I'm not going to tie you up. I'm not going to beat you up. I am not a threat to you. I just want your TV. You do not yeah, have, you cannot attack them. I mean, yeah. I guess you can try to like, maybe like hold them or something, but like you can't hurt them. You know, <laughs> like that's, no, like, the Castle Law in New York does not allow that. Mm. But in other states, it's a little bit fuzzier. Um, actually, uh, the site well. that I was looking at that explains Castle Laws directly said something like, New York is not Florida. You can't do X. Right. And I'm just well, like, Florida oh, my God, Florida. It's a stand-your-ground law, which is very different. But, um... You can shoot on site on your property in Florida. <laughs> Apparently. That's a thing. So, yeah, I mean, Bronx dude, you should have been in Florida, I guess. But also, like, if there's someone being creepy and then they leave, this is a great opportunity to call the police and they will put a patrol car in front of your house. I, I, there are other ways. There are other, first of all, don't chase them down the block. Just be glad that they're gone. Call the police. But if they're still in your house, there are other ways to incapacitate these people. Or like, also, it's like, okay, let's say the metal pipe is in your hand. You hit the guy. He's down. Once. Yeah. Get him in the kneecaps. Oh, my God. I mean, like, and then he can't run. Like, he's just going just gonna to lay there. And you just stand there and wait for the cops to show up. It's fine. Yeah. But anyway, um, Troy George, you're in trouble. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, this is not going to work for him. This is clearly someone with anger management issues. Well, it's probably not the first time if he's got if he's that angry. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what else have you got? Okay, so I think I'm going to go with first of all. Like, this is just a quick one, and then I can go into the conviction. But I want to bring to the public's attention that there is an attempted rapist running around Park Slope. Mm-hmm. Uh, police, this, and then, then police are looking for a man who tried to sexually assault a woman as she went into her apartment building near Prospect Park on Garfield Place. 
She was 26 years old. She was coming home at 4.30 in the morning on Sunday, September 8th. When she let him into the vestibule behind her, and then the man exposed himself and tried to grab her, um, trying to stop her from going into the building further. He ran away towards Prospect Park after the woman struggled. She was not injured. She called the police. They're looking for a man uh, on attempted rape charges. He's described as standing five foot ten to six two, which is a bit of a discrepancy. But when you're in a struggle with a person, you don't really know. But he is of just average build. He's Mm -hmm. last seen wearing a gray hoodie and a sweatshirt. Now, that is two blocks from my sister's apartment. Uh, She also lives. She just lives down the street, and my sister was uh, jacked up by a sucker puncher the other night coming home at 1.30 in the morning from her local pub. I don't think it's really, it could be related. He, she said that he was about six feet tall wearing a gray hood. I don't know. But anyone that has any information regarding these crimes, please call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-577-TIPS. We're in Spanish, one eight eight five seven pista And now you can even put your, twi- your tips in through Twitter at NYPDTips. <sighs> I mean, it's scary because Park Slope is generally considered one of the safest parts of Brooklyn. My sister was 20 feet from her front door when it happened. Yeah. And she saw him coming down the block. Like it's just a guy. It's fine. I'm in my I'm at my house, and she was digging in her purse to get keys, and he sucker punched her, shoved her to the ground. Her glasses went flying. Her keys went flying. Like it was really fucked up. It's terrifying. I was I'm still very enraged for her, and and yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I just wanted to put that out there. But yeah. I well, do have a... Go ahead. I was just going to say thank you for sharing that. Um, I think sometimes these crimes can feel a little, like, ethereal. And really, this could happen to anyone. And it and it does. You know, it happens it, to anybody. It happens, it happens to the nicest person I know. She's warm and inviting and forgiving and like zero prejudices and it's and it happened to her. Yeah. I mean I saw her afterwards and I was like, you know, I kinda of thought that I would be the first one to get jacked up in some random attack because I'm lippy and weird and shit, but nope. Yeah. Like folks who do this stuff just don't care. It's like if you're in their sight. Yeah, he was he was just walking. Which she looked, she was like, I saw him, but you know, my hackles didn't go up. He was just walking down the street. Did he steal anything, or was it literally just? Nope. God. Didn't steal a thing. That's gross. I'm sorry. Out. Well, she didn't. Well, she said she didn't lose consciousness, but she was a little dizzy. Just jacked her in the face, shoved her to the ground, and walked away. Yeah. It really fucking pisses me off. Um, do you have it? Do you have another thing? Because I have another thing. 
I do. I have a lighthearted one. Oh, uh, okay, we can talk about de Blasio. Okay. I can just run through this one. All right. So, as of Friday morning, Mayor de Blasio drops out of the 2020 primary. He says, I feel like I have contributed all I can to this primary election. It is clearly not my time, so I'm going to end my presidential campaign. De Blasio, I'm sorry, it's never going to be your time, and I don't think he contributed anything. I don't think he did. And quite frankly, <laughs> I don't think he's going to survive another mayoral election. No, I don't think so either. Um, and this is actually really great, but the Daily News, I believe, uh, figured out like how much time he spent working on like mayoral business while during the campaign, and it was 4.1 hours a day in May. Okay, here's the thing, though. This is that, like, we can visibly tell he's working, because here, I can work remotely from anywhere, right? So, uh, was, could he have been taking business while he was in Iowa? Uh, I'm going to look at their data. I think that this is a source who was in the mayor's office said that. Oh, okay. Never mind. I never mind. Oh, uh, it is. um, They have to log their hours. Oh, okay. Well, then I stand corrected. That's (laughs) fine. So, yeah, that was how they got that information is just looking through city logs. Okay. I just wanted to. You know, like I don't like him as mayor, and I don't want him as my president. I just wanted to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because people do that to me too. Like, yeah, like yes, I actually work when I'm at home. Yes, and I, then oh, I started working from home on Wednesdays. My coworker was like, "Yeah, it's so great. Like, I love working love from it. home. I don't do anything. I'm like, no, dude. I'm like on. I work, but I don't have to like put on a face. Yeah, just, like brush my teeth, wash my face, pour some coffee." sit down. It's wonderful. And then um, something else that I thought was kind of funny is, is that nobody supported him. His advisors said it was a bad idea. 76% of voters said that they did not want him to run. Mm-hmm. So he just is going for it. Pure ego. Uh, apparently his highest polling number during the campaign was 1%. I know. So when he first did this, and he, I was listening to New York One one morning, and the, he was out in Iowa the first time. No one knew who he was. No one knew who he was. The mayor of New York City, the biggest city. Like, I'm the mayor of New York City. And it's like, cool, dude. stay in your lane, dude. Stay in your lane. And then you said that you had one more. I do. Okay, so I'll, I, well, I have two, but I'm going to go with this one. So uh, last Sunday... Uh, a knife, uh, okay, so last Sunday, there's a guy that goes into the smoke shop in Park Slope. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. Brandishes what later was found out to be a fake pistol on these people. And he drags one of these guys behind the counter. And the guy, uh, what's his name? Mm, I lost it. Anyway, so the guy, the guy drags the robber drags this guy behind the counter and then the worker pulls out this hidden seven inch blade and stabs the robber. Okay. <laughs> Which, okay. Right. And of course the robber's like, Oh my God, I got stabbed. And his, he had a friend that was on, like that was running lookout for him. 
So the 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 stab guy like like runs into the street, throws his pistol under a car, and falls falls down. So of course in Park Slope, there's all these good Samaritans running around. So this guy just thinks he just got stabbed, and he goes over to help him. No idea that he tried to just rob a smoke shop. And the accomplice apparently is standing there on his phone pretending to call the police and also pretending that he doesn't even know this guy that got stabbed. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm assuming they got caught because we know about this. They totally got caught. And uh, I love this guy that works in the smoke shop now. He's my personal hero for the week. That's really great. Just pulling out this knife. <laughs> yep. Just like, hell yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my good. It's like, it's so funny, though, because people see this guy that got stabbed and they're helping him mm-hmm. until an ambulance can arrive. Oh. And they have no idea that he just tried to rob a store. Well, then, and also what you were saying about 911, like redundancy is a good thing. If if there's like an accident, even if someone else is calling 911, you should call 911 too. Yeah, because you've seen something different. Yeah, and also maybe they're pretending. Maybe they're pretending. That's wild. The accomplice, the accomplice uh, is still on the loose, but the guy, the would-be robber, was brought to the hospital and... That arrested at the hospital. So once he got out, he was placed in custody. Okay. Yeah. Happy ending. Uh, can I tell you my silly subway one? Yes, please. All right. Um, so I title all my segments so I can mm-hmm. keep track of them. This one snitches get stitches. All right. So <laughs> there's a gorilla subway PSA that uh, is basically telling <laughs> writers to not snitch on people who do uh, fare evasion. Yeah, because the MTA is asking you to. Yeah, so the MTA put up these uh, posters in the subway and then also on the inside of the exit. So, like, Mm -hmm. when you push open the emergency exit, it's like this large door. There's anyone listening who does not take the subway. Um, And a lot of people, especially if it's busy, you'll just use that as an exit because it's easier than trying to go through the turnstile. So it'll say something like, please don't hold this door open. Close it behind you or inside the subway. Uh, we would rather have your 275 fare than your $100 fine, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this gorilla artist made these signs that are in the same font and uh, kind of positioned in the same way that just go directly over it. And it says, like, don't snitch, swipe. Or... Uh, oh. You know, like, it's normal, like, hold this door open, like, be kind, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, it's just really funny because uh, the MTA is a mess. And oh, uh, let me see, uh, they are blaming the MTA's lack of funding on fair beaters. They claim that they lose $215 million a year. On this, I don't. I don't think so, dude. Let me nope. play my tiniest violin for you. I don't think so. I do not think that's even true. It's such bullshit, too. Like, I have a monthly, and I don't work. I work from home on Wednesdays. I never go into Manhattan on the weekends. Like, I am subsidizing other people's. Yeah, me too. 
Like what? How, how do you know it's two hundred and fifty million dollars? Oh, give me like, a how the fuck do you know? I know. You don't know. Ah. Anyway. Just, um, I mean, there's so much corruption and lack of oversight. And it's like but this I'm, is criminalizing yeah. poverty. It is criminalizing people of color. According to MTA data, 90% of fair evasion arrestees and uh, 65% of people who actually received a summons were people of color. In some cases, police are forcibly detaining people who don't pay 275 like, it just makes well, me, oh. I I always swipe in anybody that asks me if I can, if I haven't used it already. Like, when I arrive to my station out here after leaving work, there's always someone that says, will you swipe me in? And I'm glad to do it. So I, like, definitely do not swipe people in. I don't know why. It just seems like too much for me. But I always take the emergency exit, and I... uh I don't ever hold the door open, but you can sure as hell bet that I push it so far it slams into the other side. Oh, yeah, I do that, too. Like, there is, like, this one guy who is trying to get into the turnstile. Like, his card wasn't working or something. And he started walking towards me. And then behind him is this MTA agent who's running over. And I'm like, what? Like, fake confused. And I just, like... Hold it open, and I really slowly, as it goes behind me, just sort of, like, push it. And I'm, like, slow-mo moving through this gate, so this guy rushes through. And then as mm-hmm. soon as the MTA worker gets there, I, like, slam it shut, and I'm like, whoops, sorry, it's heavy door. I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. Like, I don't know, especially I take the DeKalb stop, and half the time the turnstiles aren't even registering. So, like, you'll swipe your card, and everyone has a monthly. It's like people in suits on the way to work. And you have to get someone to hop over the turnstile to hold the door open for folks. Well, what if, like, the other morning, <coughs> none of the card machines were working, so they had to let everybody through for free? Exactly. It's all bullshit. So this number is bullshit. Anyway. They basically just propped all the doors open there. Like, no one was, they weren't taking credit cards, they weren't taking cash, they weren't taking anything. And people were legitimately trying to buy new cards. So yeah. they can go. I'm done now. I'm done. I'm not going to get vulgar anymore. Yeah. And sadly, we have to wrap up, too. This is Crime Talk BK. Uh, Come uh, hang out with us next Saturday, 11 to noon. Thanks for listening. You can pump up every member of your family.